who wants to help more people and help people more, well, welcome to the Under the Influence podcast. My name is Dr. Martin Harvey and I'm your host. I'll be bringing you research-based, practice-tested ways to help you communicate the value of your care and grow your influence in your community. Welcome back to the Under the Influence podcast. This is episode three, so thanks for joining me. And thanks also for all the feedback I've been getting uh, on your thoughts from episodes one and two. I really appreciate the feedback. It's been fun doing the podcast, but the thing that's slightly different about a podcast compared to speaking to people at a seminar, for instance, is it's kind of a one-way street. You put information out that you hope is going to be helpful, but you don't really know what impact it's having, whether people are enjoying it, whether they're getting value, until people give you some feedback. So keep it coming. I had one particular question from somebody regarding the name under the influence. They were questioning, is it a great name? So I thought I'd just kind of put it out to you guys to see what you think. So my thinking in using the name under the influence was, to me, chiropractic has a really interesting problem in that we have a phenomenal product we have this way of helping people's bodies work better and when their bodies work better their lives are better in every symbol every single way but we kind of present it really really poorly a lot of the traditional ways we've communicated it I think make it come across as much less than it should be and to me a big part of the answer of what we need to do to get chiropractic to more people is use approaches that are approaches that have been sort of tested and shown to be the most effective way of helping people make better decisions that are in the influence literature so that's kind of thread one of the reason for the name to me i'd really like the idea of seeing chiropractic as like the apple of health where apple computers apple everything treats consumers like they're smart, treats them with great design and great presentation. And I think that's something we can really aspire to. The the other threads of the reason for Under the Influence is I really love and the, the idea of talking to people and communicating about these ideas while enjoying coffee or being under the influence of red wine or all those sort of things. So as part of the idea of this, I really want it to be a part of a conversation that we can have about things that I think are really important. So this week is going to be a bit different to the first couple. The first couple were really me presenting a couple of ideas that were top of mind for me. Uh, This week's going to be a little bit different. Um, Before I get to that, just a little bit of housekeeping. I mentioned in the last podcast that I will be starting doing in-person events. And so a couple of dates coming up, Launceston, 31st of July, Adelaide, 14th of August, Melbourne, 4th of September, Brisbane, 12th of September, Sydney, 25th of September, Perth, 14th of November for the new one-day program on communicating to improve patient care. It's in partnership with the um, Australian Chiropractors Association, so hope to see many of you there. So this week is the first of a series where I sat down with a really good friend of mine, Craig Foote. Craig's a phenomenal chiropractor who practices in Perth in Australia. He's been in continuous practice for more than 22 years. He's also set up a really great, well, he's one of the co-founders of a group of practices in Perth called the Nirvana Group. 
He's also uh, been the president of the Spinal Research Foundation. He took over as the president from me and also served on that board for nine years and as president for five. Uh, so really interesting background there. Uh, he also runs, he's coached chiropractors now for more than 15 years through his program Chiropractic Flight School. And I love a lot of what Craig his vision for what chiropractors can do. Now, we come from a similar perspective, this idea that, you know, great practices are made by great processes and um, treating people well in a service mentality. And we disagree on some things. And I thought that part of that sort of looking at things from a similar perspective, but approaching them differently would be really interesting for you guys to hear. So the next few podcasts are Craig and I going through what we consider to be the keys to long-term success in practice. So again, moving away from that fallacy of the fast, the hacks, the shortcuts, the the idea that there's some quick path to success, but what can you do that's going to build and create a phenomenal practice that's going to help a lot of people? So uh, really thrilled that Craig uh, was able to join me on this conversation. So without any further delay, welcome to episode three. Okay, g'day Craig. Good to be able to have a chat to you. How things? Things are going well. Thanks, Martin. Good to see you from the other side of Australia. Yes, yes. Excellent. Hey, um, thanks for taking the time to do this. I guess before we kind of leap into what we wanted to chat about, I was thinking it might be useful if we just talk about how we decided to do this and what we're really trying to, I guess, help chiropractors with. So, you know, tell me what, what are your thoughts in terms of what we're trying to do by uh, spending time chatting to each other without even a beer? Well, yeah, you, usually we'd be sitting in the bar at this stage and uh, being, uh, as you said, under the influence and yeah. discussing how we knew all the answers to everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I suppose um, my what I like about doing this particular um, project with, yourse with yourself is um, sort of addressing some of the common things that, um, that chiropractors um, have challenges around and I see so many and I believe you feel the same way so many people um, looking to you know pay advertising to get patients into their practice and mm. um, and just doing things just to, for a quick fix and effectively if you keep doing things as a quick fix you really actually have no core um, value to give people if you yeah. continue that way so um, I'm very passionate about sort of um, bringing quality service to people with the right intention, and um, and if we do things in the right way, and and you know I've been in practice for a while, not as long as you, Martin, but um, I've been known to um, make quite a few mistakes, and I've I, I feel I've learned over the years, and um, and if I can share that with people, then that's going to be a, a a good outcome for everyone. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think there is a tendency when when people are advertising or promoting their practice management or practice development or whatever you want to call it, they're talking about hacks and shortcuts and those sort of things. And I think sh hacks and shortcuts are bullshit. Like really, if you want to, <laughs> I think really, if you want to have a great practice, there's no shortcut to it. You actually just have to do 
the, the things that need to happen to get a great practice. Now, having said that, you can, as you say, learn from experience. And I think, you know, I've been in practice for almost 30 years and you're well into the 20s now, aren't you? So 20, 22, 23? Yeah. yeah. So I think we've learned a lot of things that don't work over the years. And I think we've learned some things that do work. And the idea for me in talking about under the influence is, yeah, we do want to influence people in our communities to live healthier, happier, more active lives. And as part of that, have chiropractic care. And also I'm sort of evoking the influence literature there where I think there are, there's a whole lot of literature that, that's already been done that says there is a right way, there are right ways to do things. And there's ways that chiropractors do things that are just stupid, that just alienate people looking for that short-term win. Whereas if you, like you say, set things up with a service mindset and present chiropractic in a way that makes sense to people and um, aligns with what's important to them, then you, you sort of put the pieces in place so you're not swimming against the tide, you're swimming with the tide. And chiropractic is naturally an attractive thing because it helps everybody. So anyway, that's kind of, I guess, what we're looking for is what are the really important things that people should be paying attention to? Because there's so much, so many different perspectives. What are the, the individual common elements that are the most critical pieces that you need to put in place to make sure that your practice is set up to be growing, to be fun, and to be low stress. So let's leap into it, hey? Absolutely. Let's get this show on the road. <laughs> so I guess we're going to start with, over. Um, we're looking at doing a series of uh, discussions around this so that we can take it to different levels. And I guess the way that I normally look at it is that there's a philosophy, you, you kind of want to dial in your philosophy and then you want to dial in sort of paradigm or uh, the way that you, you uh, the sort of model of practice that you have. And then you want to dial in the procedures that align with all of that. For our discussion, I reckon we're going to approach it almost from the bottom up. Like let's see the real nitty gritty what are the most critical procedures that you need to have if you want to have this awesome practice that people are thrilled to come in and thrilled to recommend to their friends and family? So on a first visit on a day one, what do you think the most important things, if we sort of start from the beginning of that interaction, what do you think that the high points are? Yeah, so the high points for me are, um, the very first thing we do in our practice, um, apart from obviously paperwork and all that kind of jazz. and Actually, can um, I just say one thing yep. that I actually think is really important with paperwork, and this might be controversial. I think sometimes with that shortcut mindset, people yep. think that there's going to be a magic piece of paperwork that's going to do the heavy lifting <laughs> for them and asks all these obtuse questions or it's like six, I don't want to have to do all this bullshit with people, so I've got six pages of paperwork that mm -hmm. I want people to fill in. Um, what the literature says for this is really interesting in terms of um, patient satisfaction. People expect to have one page. Every page that you add beyond one that people have to fill in before they actually get to speak to you as a human being reduces patient satisfaction. So six pages, you've, you've lost them before you spoke to them. So anyway, back yep. to your point. 
I'm going to interrupt no, no. a lot. I'm going to interrupt a lot, just so you know. I'm, that's all I'm right. well, under the influence of too many coffees already today. So. That's, well, I'm only under two, so I may be a little <laughs> bit behind. Um, so, look, I think, um, well, actually, let's talk about the paperwork. We've, we've got double-sided. We've got one double-sided bit of paper, okay? Um, yes. Uh, I suppose, um, though, if we're really uh, observant about that is patients don't necessarily put every detail possible on that piece of paper. No. Um, and in fact, the ones that do put every little piece of paper, bit of information on that, you know, they stubbed their toe in 1982 or something like that. They're, they're the ones you've got to maybe be a little bit wary about yeah. and, um, and letting them run the show. So, so in some way that, you know, the bit of paper does tell us uh, something, but obviously, as you say, don't rely on it. Yeah. Um, probably the critical thing um, from my point of view is the introduction of myself and creating that rapport with them cool. straight up. So um, I make sure I get their name, and this is something we, we teach our clients as well. I, I make sure. Um, so when you're talking clients, you're talking your coaching clients. Coaching yeah. clients, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's because at the end of the day, look, I want, <clears throat> I want my patients to remember my name. Um, because I, I see so many people, you know, you've seen a chiropractor before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who'd you, oh, who'd you see? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. And at that point I go, oh my goodness, how can someone not remember someone who's been actively involved with their nervous system um, on, a, on an intimate level, right? And I go, wow, I don't want to be in that boat. Um, so, uh, so introduce myself. Um, hi, Martin. Uh, my name is Craig. And you know, eye contact, handshake, um, and then finding the the happy balance in the room, sitting on the chair. Um, everyone has different personal spaces, so we have a like a little roller chair that we we sit on them. Yeah. And um, so you can sort of dial in how close you are, sort of yeah, based on yeah. the feel that you're getting. That's yeah. So. Yeah, so I sort of I sit on the chair and I always try and make sure that I'm actually a little bit just at the same level with eyesight or a little yep. bit lower than them because right. I don't want to intimidate them. Yep. Um, uh, I'm, a, I'm six foot one and probably a little bit heavier than I used to be when I first got into practice. But um, uh, And then I sort of move the chair in and out depending on their body language. So. So if I, you know, if you imagine if I'm coming right in close to you and and the person's sort of like pressing themselves up against the, yeah. the wall behind them, obviously that's a little bit too close. But at the same time, if I'm way too far away from them, they'll be trying to lean forward to get the information to me. So it's just about being whatever's comfortable there. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's then we sort of start up about the rapport building and yeah vast majority of people that we see are, are referred from existing patients yep. so uh, I'd say upwards of 95% of people yep. come and see us from that so we usually have on that form on the piece of paper you know who yep. sent them in um, but even um, even if they've said Oh, let's talk about Google another time, maybe. But yeah. um, but whoever sent them in, I, I I try and remember who sent them in. But then um, I also kind of let them know um, how well they've done in their care. Yeah. 
Yeah. So if say Nicole had sent you in, Martin, yeah, I'd yeah. say, oh, I see, I see Nicole sent you in, and yeah. and um, and then I maybe even ask, how do you know Nicole? Oh, you're married to Nicole. That's that's lovely. Um, uh, and and then I'll just go on about like just very briefly about oh, Nicole's done so well in her care. You know what the great thing about Nicole is? Anything she, we've ever asked her to do to help herself, she's actually really had a red hot go and done that. She's such a lovely person to work with. Yeah. Let's see what we can do to help you. Yeah. Right. Awesome. And and make it make it about that person, not not about myself, because yeah. I think that's just probably that service yeah. mentality we're talking yeah. about. You know, don't make it about you. Make it about them. Yeah. Um, and then um, then ask them. You know, what brings them in? And and I think probably the critical thing in that part for me is just shutting up. Just yeah. let them go. And yeah. it's interesting um, you say that because there's a whole lot of research in terms of what people's needs and expectations are on an initial encounter with a healthcare professional. And the number one thing that people want and need to have to feel like, oh, yeah, I'm in the right place is to feel that they've been heard. So mm. 100% that just let them feel like they've spoken themselves out and then you get your opportunity to sort of tell your story further down the line, which we'll come to further in the conversations. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm talking to my clients, it's like everyone comes in with some baggage, right? So everyone's got a, got a, a imagine a suitcase or a, a, a big backpack over their shoulder, and and every day as that that um, that your appointment with that chiropractor is looming closer, you st you're sort of taking little notes. Oh, I must tell him about that time I did that um, did that crazy thing at, at the um, at the pub on the bar, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or I must remember, and they, and they pack all of that stuff in the bag. And even in the car ride on the way there, they're they're sort of like we like. Tell me if I'm wrong. If you've ever been to the like a medical doctor, made the appointment, and on the day you actually didn't feel that bad, and you're yeah. wondering, second guessing, oh, why should I be going now? Right? They do the same thing for us. So they've got this massive packed bag that they just are carrying it. They literally, their posture is such that they're sort of holding it up and their shoulders are right up. And as you're saying, I say, okay, um, what, you know, what, tell me, tell me what's been happening catch me up. Like, but how can we help you today? And then they start opening this bag and pulling crap out. And yeah. some of the crap actually is pretty important to know. And a lot of it's probably not that important. You know, I, you know, I, I ran over the, the, postman's mother's cat and and yeah. felt really bad and stubborn you know, th there's some stuff you just don't need to know but it's still in the bag and it's got to get out of the bag before you can move it, past it you don't it, you don't move past it by just pretend <laughs> hoping that it goes away a hundred percent so they've got this massive bag they're, sh they're sort of shaking it out and all you can, all you can do is just there you go just do that the occasional nod yeah um whatever you do don't say uh, you know don't sort of ask them to keep going though that's probably yeah. A, oh yeah great like don't don't say oh yeah that's great information oh you know postman's cat fantastic keep going like that uh that kind that concept and and they're emptying the bag and 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 uh, i'll just be nodding okay you know and i'm and i'm not just sort of i suppose the behind the scenes whilst i'm i'm saying this in my head I'm actually imagining myself in their situation. I, I like to actually get a bit of an idea of, okay, if this happened to me, how would I feel? Yeah. And what further information would I need to know to better understand how that I, feels? I think, can I stop you there? Because I reckon that's a really important thing that informs a lot of what we're going to talk about in this series, which is ultimately that 
degree of empathy of saying, while I think chiropractic has a lot to offer them and I can help them, at the end of the day, I've got to take that um, empathic perspective of this is about them and what's important to them. And it's not my job to sell them on chiropractic. It's my job to show them how chiropractic to, can help them have what they want. So if you start from that empathic experience of this isn't about, you know, them understanding the 33 principles and uh, getting a conceptual understanding of innate intelligence, innate intelligence and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> this is about them, me, first of all, connecting with them as a person. And then secondly, putting as much as I can, imagining myself in their shoes in terms of if I was experiencing what they're experiencing, what would I need to say or, or, or what would I need to hear from you? So, yeah, I think yeah. that's a really important thing to double click on. Yeah, Actually, and, before yeah, we leap back, there's a couple of things I just want to double click on that you've raised that I think are brilliant. There's an idea in the influence literature that people buy you before they buy their message. That we're, if you think of the way that we're wired, we're, we're sort of genetically coded to be hunter-gatherers. And if you're a hunter-gatherer, your survival depended on your ability to kind of be connected to your tribe. Because if you did the wrong thing, and were socially ostracized, you get kicked out of the tribe, you've got no sharp teeth or, or claws or whatever, you're going to get eaten pretty quickly. So we have this very strong sense of needing to, to be with people that we like. And Cialdini talks about one of his fundamental principles of influence is likability. And part of likability is that connection. And you spoke about a couple of things that because of that hunter-gatherer thing, we've got a lot of non verbal ways of creating connection very, very quickly. And you, you ran past them really fast, but I just want, if people are wanting to get really good at practice, there's this challenge of you're coming into a first visit, you've just been adjusting people, you've, just, you've got a, a bunch of different things that you're juggling at the time, and then you've got to slow down and have that empathic perspective of, no, this is the first person, time this person's been in this environment. They're, it's unfamiliar. They're uncertain. They've probably got some sort of health challenge that they're a bit concerned about. So it's super important to create that connection first for them to feel safe. And eye contact is absolutely huge. It's a way of creating a sense of connection and a sense of goodwill in, in a nanosecond. And touch is really important so long as it's appropriate and you spoke about shaking hands is kind of the universal way of creating connections sometimes older people like older women it'll feel funny like it's not something that was done but even with them you know if you're helping them into a chair or whatever just having the opportunity to put a hand on an arm or those sort of things and you also reiterated using their name um, it, we're very coded to feel comforted when people use our name and the flip side of that, it will feel like you're being kind of processed if people just leap straight into the procedures without first having that connection. And the last bit of it, that rapport piece, um, Cialdini talks about it as uh, commonality, that if we've got, if we feel like we've got some link with somebody else, we're part of the same tribe and that makes us feel very safe. Having said that, we can think of ourselves in tribes in a bunch of different ways. So. Um, there's research showing that if somebody shares the same name as us, we'll feel incredibly connected to that person very quickly. 
But interestingly, even if they just have the same first initial as us, then we will feel connection. And so that purpose from a structural perspective of finding like the commonality of the person that referred them, or if they weren't referred, you've got to look for another commonality. Um, it can be a commonality of where they live or the sort of work that they do in your experience with that sort of work. So looking for that point of commonality is a great way of them feeling a connection to you and that you're on the same page. Yeah. And and maybe if I can add add a little bit to that too, is because I I do see this quite a bit is, is that that liking part yeah. sometimes can uh, people can in, misinterpret what that actually means um, yeah. where they go uh, oh I just want to be liked yeah. so I'm gonna and I'm gonna, I want to make them to feel really ease at ease in in my practice so what we're gonna do we're gonna actually tell a few jokes and maybe entertain them somewhat and do a little bit of a tap dance and uh, hit my old, my best dad jokes and just see yeah. if we can just sort of, and I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if that's the right time and the place to do that. No, no, I, I think it is system. important. I think it loops back to the point that we were making before. Likeability means you're friendly, but you're not trying to be their friend necessarily. Yeah. And yeah. so you need to have that balance of being pleasant but not then turning it into a social occasion. And if we go back to the first visit, especially the purpose of it is to make sure that they feel safe. And then as soon as they feel safe, they've been heard, which kind of goes into that next piece that you were talking about where you're giving them the opportunities to sort of, you know, really just open up. And so, you know, I would look at it from that perspective of the first thing you really want to say is really open-ended. Look, I see that you put down on the form that you're having some issues with some low back or some low back pain. Tell me all about it. Um, mm. And rather, and look, yeah, once they run out of things, go anything else, anything else, so that they definitely feel, have that emotional experience of, I didn't leave the tap dancing on the bar thing out because they interrupted <laughs> me to ask my PQRST questions of yes. is the pain shooting or lancinating or just the bullshit that we do. Anyway. Um, <laughs> That's good. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we look, I, got, I tap dance on the bar once, Martin, and yeah, I, just, I'm all of a sudden just, you're a tap dancer, hey? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we've spoken about rapport and we've started that first process of asking. I guess we've given them an opportunity to kind of unload their whole story. Yeah. In terms then of the uh, the first visit, what do you feel like the most important things that you need to ask are? Like obviously as clinicians, we've got that, um, we've got a whole lot of responsibilities that we need to have. We're not really talking about how do you take the best compliant history that you've been trained and the universities are awesome at teaching you how to do that part of it. What we're doing is pulling out pieces of that or where points of emphasis of what questions are going to be real or ways of structuring questions are really important from a communication perspective. So I know yeah. you're sort of big on the further farther idea. Did you want to expand <laughs> on that? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll go slightly back to go forward onto that okay, if that's good, okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we uh, when we're sort of talking about this stuff is, is like, we're, you know, you and I have both got a microphone in front of us right now and, and you know, as you say, yes, open that open-ended question, you know, what brings you in, how can I come 
Okay, today. And I think the critical thing is that the patient at that point or the person in front of you at that point will tell you what they think you can help them with. So yeah. they they may come in with, let's say, low back pain because you're a chiropractor. Surprise, surprise. At the same time, they might have headaches that they that would never even consider that a chiropractor might be able to help them with. Yeah. So whatever their first dump dumpage if we want yeah. to call it that is is usually about the thing that they they think that you they can help you with the primary thing yeah. but there may be a bigger thing there that we need to actually find out about so so in that initial consultation we we give them the microphone okay tell me uh almost like an interview tell me what what brings you in and we pass over the microphone we no longer have a microphone and they're just yabbering on uh dumping their stuff and then then I'll sort of sort of signal to them, uh, can I have the microphone back now? Yeah. Is that okay? Uh, but how I would say that is, um, Martin, is it okay if I ask you a few questions to, to understand better about what's going on? So asking that permission yeah. um, to ask the questions. And so then suddenly you pass back the microphone. Now, at this point, I'm not letting go of that microphone ever again because this is my show. You know, yeah. it's, it's, this is the Craig Foot Show, Martin. Yeah. Don't you know you're on my, my stage? So I'll ask the questions, okay. And the questions I ask, I'm not going to go into massive detail because yeah. of, yeah. I think it's outside of the scope of this, but, but effectively, they would be the questions that I need to answer so that I can better feel in myself what they would feel um, and because I'm about to be writing this down at the very end, right? So yeah. <laughs> I need to do that. Um, there is a transition though, where I'll say, okay, is it left? Is it right? Is it up? Is it down? Is it black? Is it white? And it's, and it's, and it's, and it's really, they are shorter answers and I'm giving them the microphone, passing yeah. them back very, very briefly. And then there's a, a point where I go, well, Martin, have you been to a chiropractor before? Yeah. And doesn't actually matter whether you say yes or no, the answer is going to be the same, uh, yeah. whatever I say. Because even though you may have been to a chiropractor, you've not been to this chiropractor before. Yeah. Okay. And, and you know, I, I think it's interesting with the profession, you know, we, like, I know, I know you, Martin, and um, I know your practice is, is different to myself and how you, how you run things. I'm completely fine with that. But if someone asks, what does Martin say on his first and second visit? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really don't, right? And I've been adjusted by you, but I just don't know. So it doesn't actually matter if they say, yes, I've been a chiropractor or not. I'll say, well, let me just explain a little bit about what we do yeah. in this practice. So as a chiropractor, we deal with things called subluxations. In the old days, they used to be called misaligned vertebra or pinched nerves. Yeah. So that's what we're looking for today. If that's there, if that's what's affecting you in any way, then likely we're going to be able to help. Yeah. On the other hand, if it's not there, not causing it, then in that case, we may not be able to help. But we will find out either way today. Yeah. 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 Right. So, and it's horrifying. Yep. Yeah. Now you're going. So I think it's really important there if we look at what this is sort of creating. Uh, we want to pre-frame things so that people, both from a um, people coming in with their expectations that they're 
they understand what you're doing and that they, you can frame their expectations in a way that aligns with what you can deliver. It's also really useful from a communication perspective. If you've pre-framed that what you're looking for is a subluxation, then when you're doing the testing, it's you're able to then uh, essentially have them have an experience of what you're finding as you're finding it rather than the only time they found out what you found out what you found is that a report of findings so pre-framing um, essentially gives people the experience at the time that they're having the experience so communication perspective if we're looking to uh, impact people's understanding of health the only thing that will change people's um, well there's essentially a hierarchy of what will change people's beliefs and therefore their behavior the lowest thing, the thing that's least likely to change people's beliefs about whether they should just do things reactively, whether chiropractic's a way of helping with global well-being, all those sort of things, is what we say. Because if, if your existing beliefs don't align with what somebody else says, then we tend to block it or ignore it or argue against it internally. A level above that would be if people think something internally and then say it out loud, so asking questions where it shows where there's a limitation in their current understanding that's a bit more effective but the most powerful thing that will change people's beliefs and therefore their behavior is what they experience so part of creating an environment where people experience it is by pre-framing it so that they notice it as it happens if you don't tell them you're looking for subluxations and then you just do a bunch of tests and go mm, 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 and there's no context of what you found while they're happening it you're expecting them to remember an experience the next day or two days later when you're telling them what you found. So super important that people do this, set expectations and pre-frame what things are about. If I, if I may add to that from a from a relationship advice at this point, I'm just going to delve a little bit Ooh. outside of chiropractic. Yeah. I found early days that um, if I did the dishes when my wife Kath was not around, I never got any thanks for that because if the dishes were done before she got home, were they ever there? Yes. So if I stopped and waited for those dishes to really pile up, like, you know, <laughs> I can't hear you, Kath, through the dishes, and then I worked really hard while she's watching to get rid of the dishes, every single time she'd go, oh, my God, that's so much better. The kitchen's looking so clean. And it's kind of like almost creating that environment where she's going to appreciate it much more yeah. if I do it. Yeah. Um, and it was always worth that the um, uh, the effort. Okay. Absolutely. So, um, so I've done that clarifying, and and I suppose in one way it's uh, to add to that um, the the literature that you know the influence yep. is, is being candid. Like, yeah. hey, look, I don't know whether I can help you just yet. Yeah. Um, how about we just do our best to, to work yeah. it out and, and just know that we'll, we'll work out a path going yeah. forward. If I'm yeah. not the right person, I'll find that. And, yeah. and that, that often you'll see their shoulders sort of drop as yeah. they go, I feel this is good. If he, if he can't help me, he'll, he'll find someone who can. Yeah. And the, um, the other layer to that with that um, being candid is people are used to being manipulated. They're used to people um, essentially saying there's no downside to my service no nothing i can help everybody and there's never anything that goes wrong and so being candid like that essentially what it does is it, it then everything that you say after that has more um, legitimacy and is seen as having more credibility because people will look at it like well you were 
honest enough to recognise that you can't help everybody, therefore everything else that you say has a higher level of credibility because you've been willing to admit that there are some weaknesses. Mm, Technically, yeah, they, in yeah. the literature, they call it candour, but it's candor, essentially sorry. that. Yeah. No, it's the same yeah. thing. It's just a different word for the same thing. Cool. One that, other thing there, Craig, spelling. that I think is really important when you talk about that idea of the dirty dishes and making almost the problem loud for somebody um, where, and we touched a, around at a couple of points when we've discussed this, but we're dealing with people who have very different ways of viewing how much information they want to give us and even the way that psychologically they're dealing with the problem. And one of the ideas that I teach a lot about, because I think it's a really useful concept for chiropractors to have when they're coming in and talking to people who are coming in early on in their care but it's also an important, uh, there's a series of skills associated with it. But realistically, there are people who have pain or problems cope with it in different ways. And they talk in the psychology of there being a continuum of people from copers at one end to catastrophizers at the other end. And, you know, you sometimes talk about it, about Germans and Italians. And what it is, and part of that, you know, I don't mean to insult anybody from either one of those uh, countries, but there's this idea that there are, if, when we have challenging circumstances, some people's way of coping will, with it is to catastrophize, to do that. Oh my God, this is killing me. I can't cope with this. And they're the people that are often from a, a history perspective are really challenging because they're um, they're often wanting to give you huge amounts of detail and they're crying or they're they're asking can you help me I'm gonna I don't know if I can cope if this is going on and culturally most people in Australia and the UK and to a degree the US uh, we we culturally are more towards the um, we celebrate coping that you know just get on with it, the stiff upper lip, the, you know, take some up. concrete, yep. suck it up. Yeah, all of those different <laughs> ways. We see that as more admirable. So we find it challenging when people um, from a different perspective. Having said that, though, there's a lot of the problems that we have early on in care. Uh, if people are copers, what they will have done to cope with the situation is they will have minimised the size of the problem by telling themselves a story that it's not so bad. And that's a really useful strategy if you can't change the situation. But if you think the problem's a lot smaller, it then can be a mismatch between what they actually need in terms of care and what they think they might need because of the size of the problem. I'll, I'll tell you, mm -hmm. I'll sort of give an example, but a really common uh, example might be a man who has started to develop some just really simple low back pain. And as it's worsening, as he's ignoring it, as that subluxation gets more chronic and it's causing more change in the, round, the, the way the soft tissues are working, gets to a point where, let's say, he can't get down on the floor as easily to play with his kids. Well, he can then tell himself a story. Well, you know, they, they don't really want to play with me. They're kind of little shits anyway. I just need to... I'm getting old. I'm getting old. Yeah, you just tell yourself a story that minimises the size of the problem. And then, you know, it gets to a point where you can't play golf and it's like, oh, well, you know, golf's just a game. It's not that important. And then, you know, you have to, you can't stay as long at work and you tell yourself the story that, well, you know, they don't really appreciate me anyway. And, you know, I'm doing my fair share even with a sore back. 
but they're, they're essentially shrinking what the size of the problem is. And if you don't have a way of giving them a different perspective by asking particular questions, then you're going to run into a whole lot of challenges moving forward that's going to make it tougher for you to help these people. And the challenges you're going to run into is if they think it's a really small problem and then you come in and you go, all right, we're going to need to do this test. We're going to need to get some x-rays. We're going to need to do this program of care. And they're like, hey, 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 hang on. This is just not that big a deal. Um, and so the, the, we've got to have them, we've got to ask questions in a really specific way. What I when I train in chiropractors, I talk about them as unpacking questions. We've got to unpack that. It's interesting we came to the same analogy. We've got to unpack all the story that they've told themselves. Um, and there's a whole sequence of them that I'd suggest, but there's kind of two key ones if we're looking to give people a bit of a takeaway from here that I think are, is really, really important. Um, first one is people who are uh, copers rather, they will tend to be telling themselves a story about what it's like when it's at its best. You know how these sort of situations often better or worse. I will deliberately ask them to describe to me what it's like when it's at its worst. So the way I might ask that is, so Craig, I understand, you know, you told, I've done that open frame, tell me about your back pain. A lot of copers are going to be doing the minimal version. Ah, oh, it's, look, it's not that bad. It's sort of this, it's this, it's this. And I'll go, look, I understand it varies a bit. But the unpacking question is, tell me what it's like when it's at its absolute worst. And so then what I'm asking you to do is to change your perspective from a coping perspective to a more balanced perspective somewhere in the middle. And then you're going to, for that moment, have the experience of actually articulating, thinking and saying out loud what that experience is like. So it moves you a little bit of a step closer to a perspective on the, the real size of it. And the second unpacking question, which I think is almost the most powerful one, is the, what I think of as the limitations question. And the way the limitations question works is, um, and it's actually really useful because it aligns with the obligation that we have, at least in Australia and in a lot of other circumstances, to have some degree of outcome measure with people. Um, in terms of their care, where you say, look, Craig, I understand, you know, you've told me a lot about the pain. Really, in terms of setting goals and in terms of um, getting measuring your, your response over time, one of the most useful things for us to track is less about the pain. It's more about what it's either stopping you from doing or making it more difficult for you to do. So what I'd like to understand is with your back pain, what are the things that you either can't do or, or, or won't do at the moment because of it that you'd like to get back to or you need to get back to or the things that it's more difficult for you to do that you, you'd like to get back to or you need to get back to? Does that make sense? And then the mm -hmm. answers that they're giving to me then, it's doing two things. It's helping them see the true size of the problem, but it's also tapping into that idea of what's actually important. Most people aren't coming in because of the pain, they're coming in because of what the pain is stopping them from doing that's important mm -hmm. in their life. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah, the impact on their life, yeah. yeah. That's and good. I think one of the things that if we sort of zoom out for a second when we talk about what people do in chiropractic is we often think that what we're about is, I don't want to hear about your symptoms, that's not important to me. What we're about is correcting your subluxations so that your body can function more optimally and you can 
you can uh, fulfill your genetic potential and live an optimal life. Um, let, let innate flow. Yeah, which uh, from a conceptual is perspective is awesome and that's something that people are sometimes available for, well, a lot of the time are available for down the line. But somebody in pain, if you say, I'm not here for the reasons that are important to you, that they're not likely to buy into the concept. So what we've got to do is kind of bridge between the reasons that they're there. And um, when we talk about value, so um, the whole idea of what, what we decide to invest our time, money and energy into is based on what we value. And we are, Daniel Kahneman, who is uh, a um, uh, behavioural economist, has won the Nobel Prize for um, economics, so kind of a guy you can probably trust what he says. He has done research that shows that we are 400% more motivated away from what we don't want than we are towards what we are, uh, what we do want. So in this scenario, if people have a pain or a problem, that's going to be very motivating for them to do things if we kind of tap into it, if we help them see what the real size of the problem is, then that's going to be very motivated to, they're going to see the sense in, I need this program of care, if they have tapped into actually, this is a bigger problem than I had really previously conceived. Yeah. And you know what, to add to to go add to that a little bit, you know, when was the last time someone came into your practice and said, Martin, I woke up this morning, I just didn't feel like I was at my full potential and I feel that chiropractic is going to help me that. And, you know, I've only been in practice for 22, maybe 23 years and uh, I'm not sure if that's really happened outside of that person being a chiropractor themselves or from a chiropractic family or something like that. I, so. I had a really interesting one if you talk about <laughs> stories where I think the key, you know, for me that we want to be doing is we want to be, and we'll talk further along in this conversation about bridging and a bunch of other things, but we want to recognise that people are coming to us with a bunch of different levels of health awareness from a very symptomatic level then a level above that you might think of as a functional level where they recognise there's more to it than just there being pain, that sometimes things can not work properly um, and not necessarily be painful. And then the people we're talking about are people who I'd think of as being at a performance or lifestyle perspective where mm -hmm. they recognise that how their body works influences everything that they do. Um, I had a, a couple come in and book back-to-back -back new client times with me um, they've been referred actually by a colleague of yours in Perth and um, you know how we're talking about the importance of the of meeting people where they're at and then kind of bridging from there forward the discussion the husband came in first and you know I'd greeted them and we've done rapport and I've done the the open frame question initially and done the so you know how can I help you and he said uh, so we've had regular chiropractic care for the last 27 years. Typically, we find that coming in once every two weeks suits us physiologically best. Um, but every now and then, if we, we're aware of being under more stress or you're picking up that we're more subluxated, uh, we'll, we're open to coming in once a week um, at periods. The reason that I choose to have care is I'm the CEO of our company and I find that I'm cognitively much more at my peak. I make better decisions if I'm 
um, well-adjusted and <laughs> subluxation-free. Uh, and my wife's an artist and she finds that her creativity is really tapped in um, at a higher level when she's having regular care. So would you be willing to uh, take us on on that basis? And um, I hope you said no, Martin. I yeah. hope you said no. We have obligations. Well, yeah, I think that the, the real screw up, the uh, turning it into a situation would have been if I'd gone, so where does it hurt? Because the, 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 I think the point of the discussion is what we've got to do is we've got to have a communication strategy that's flexible enough. Like this is where there's no hacks, there's no shortcuts. Part of a lot of it is that applied empathy of where are they coming from and then seeing what's important to them. So if I said to them, did you? Sorry, but did you get a did you get a scale out and just say to the 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 lady with the creativity, like on a scale of most creative as a ten and least creative as a zero? What where would you rate yourself currently? Yes, yes. Well, yeah. I didn't, but there are ways we can get to further in the conversation that we do need to have ways of tracking progress with them. But I guess the point of that Absolutely. story is. If, you don't, if you're not prepared for having an understanding of meeting people where they're at and you've just got a procedure that you apply, you can have a template, but having like a script that you have to slavishly follow with every person, I call no. bullshit on that. Like I think that can work at a certain level, um, but you've got to move beyond a script to, a, to having a structure that's flexible enough <clears throat> to meet the, the, the range of differences of people that we use to it. I think um, so. Like we, we, I, I sort of view scripts a little differently to yourself. Um, the wrong um, way. The wrong way. I'm the sure. wrong way. Yeah. Clearly, yeah. I'm, I'm. I'm. No. No. It's. A, it's a different look. Um, I think you can have. There's two types of things. Like I, I sort of see scripts as things most commonly said in your day-to-day yeah. -day interactions. And yeah, you know, like you and I've been in practice for just a little while, and. Effectively, the, just the course of time has refined whatever we say to people um, yeah. as most effective and getting whatever we need them to get out of it. Um, but procedurally, um, you know, the things that you do in your practice, whether you what you say is different, it, procedurally things will be relatively consistent. Yeah. You can, yeah. you know, you, what you do on your first visit, if we were to do a summary, would be very similar to everyone else yeah. and so on. Um, but scripts sort of like what a lot of people, like especially new chiropractors, what they don't have is the time that we've had in practice and yeah. the refinement and those sort of concepts. So from a scripts point of view, I think it's critical to have those core ones, you know, like those core, okay, I'm not feeling 100% today, I'm feeling maybe I'm pretty tired. Um, and the, that core script would be there if I needed it on a day that I'm not feeling overly inspired yeah. where I go, okay, oh, okay, let's just tell them how, what, you know, what chiropractic's all about. Let's go through that, that almost that, um, rote kind of learnt thing that maybe you came up with yourself or someone else has taught you as a, as yeah. a starting point. I think yeah. that's sort of a thing there, but um but yeah you're right yeah you can't do exactly the same script to exactly everyone yeah um, so i guess where i actually think we agree where we think uh scripts are a useful starting point and there's a reason why there's a script for the best plays and the best movies because they give us an experience of what's the optimal way of communicating this 
um, the, and I think we're also agreeing that then once you've dialed it in and you've got the experience and maybe you've got a skill set that allows you to have a better empathic um, experience of what's important to this group of people or this subgroup over here, you're then tweaking that script in little ways. So if you think of a script as having, you know, five key elements, a given script, then you're just looking at those five key elements and you're using slightly different words or a slightly different sequence or whatever to make it more personalised for that person. Yep. And so it's almost like, a, you know, yeah, if you've got a white belt, you're using scripts, then when you're at this next level, you're using a communication template, which isn't, is based on the script, it's yep. got the same common yep. elements, but it's a next level of flexibility attached to it. Yeah, no, I agree. That's yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but I'm all uh, clearly more right though. I'm just uh, throw that. <laughs> out there. Um, hey, can I can I go back to you? You talked about the copers, right? Yes. And um, or well, I would have yeah. I, I would have called them stoics, but copers yeah. are, are good. Um, I, but the catastrophizers, I, I might um, share one little thing that I would thoroughly recommend yep. um, our listeners do to help with the amount of baggage that catastrophizers come in. I'm getting a cold Um, sweat just thinking about them. So share the wisdom. Okay, because look, you and I are both pretty busy in practice and and you can't, you know, imagine I've literally had this back, especially before digital x-rays, right? So, and I'm sure you're going to reminisce about this one. You've got this person coming to see you. Maybe they're a little bit more elderly, more mature, Ooh. and they come in and they're carrying the dreaded X-ray, like radiology shopping bags. Oh, where, those ones where they've had where, to bring their their nephew in to just carry yeah, the yeah, all their, kilos all their man of servants. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's almost like the Egyptian uh, pharaoh being brought <laughs> in with all the X-rays, and 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 they put the X-rays um, and scans and documents on your desk, and the desk is groaning under the yeah. weight. Yes. And you're looking at them, you're sort of peering out from behind this pile and say, hi, my name's Craig, how can I help you today? And you're looking at this sort of x-ray thing, they're going, oh my God, what is about to happen? And I've got a pretty full afternoon, how the hell do I handle this? And they go, well, let me tell you about problems. And then it starts. So one of the things I think is so critically important is to remember what you bring to the party as a chiropractor. And, and yeah. probably the best thing you can do is is because um, you got to deal with that stuff. That is part of their baggage. This is part of what was in their bag to bring yeah. in. You have to deal Literally with it. But it may not. Situation. <laughs> but it may not necessarily be right then and there is the best time to deal with that. Yeah. Right, because the world's worst thing you can do is just look at that and go, just push it away and go, nah, um, I don't need it. Like that's because yeah. that's that not listening. Yeah. So the the best thing I've found is 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 I say to you, and let's say you're the catastrophizer, Martin. You are Mister Catastrophizer Central, yeah. and I say, Martin, you know what? Clearly, you've you've seen a lot of people before because you know you've listed off your seventeen different health professionals and how much it costs and all this sort of stuff and how you didn't get much out of it. And and I'll say, look, if it's okay, I think the best way for me to serve you today is to come 
at this from a completely independent and unbiased point of view because the very worst thing I think I can do right now is to piggyback on someone else's diagnosis which clearly hasn't been effective for you. So if it's okay, I'd like to ask you some questions but they're going to be specifically around what you yourself have felt as opposed to what other people have told you. Is that okay? Brilliant. Go, that's, yes. That's absolute gold. Absolute gold. Yeah, no, that is such a great suggestion because it is a challenge where you, and I think the key things that that allows you to do is to, you framed essentially the, the benefit in your approach at the same time as that approach allows you to dodge wading through the, and you know, we all know that it, that the, the uh, what the physio told them they had, what the GP told them they had, we've kind of got to go through our own process anyway. So it's both effective and also, I think that idea of a blinded second opinion is is literally a great idea for people who haven't been getting great results. So, yeah, no, really important. Um, it works well. And that, that pile of x-rays, just so that you know, is I'll, I'll leave it on the desk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do the assessment and I say, I say at the very end, is it better if clearly there's a lot of x-rays to look at there? Is it okay if I hold on to those just for the time being yeah. and I'll work out and, and go through what, what I need and I'll yeah. get that back to you later. Is that okay? And I go. This is, that's an extension as well of that, that need that people have on a first visit to be heard. They need to have their concerns considered. And so some of that's literally I need to tell my story and some of it is I've got all this information about me that you need to have shown that you consider important as well as represented by those yellowing x-rays from 1956. So... Yeah. <laughs> the uh, sepia sepia x-rays yeah yeah that's, <laughs> yes absolutely hey look one other thing that i think is important when we're talking about pre-framing that i will do a lot of uh and i think it sets ourselves up for success is i touched on the idea of we interact with a lot of people who are different levels of health awareness and people who are at a um, pain level of health awareness, people are at a um, prevention or a functional level of health awareness, people at a performance level of health awareness. Most of the time in the first couple of visits, there's a lot of people who they're very, have a very strong culture around you go to see a health professional when you have pain and you stop seeing them when the pain's gone. We've got a very reactive health culture. Uh, and sort of our job is to try and influence them further up that level of health awareness I think the big picture that chiropractic has that proactivity about your health allows you to live a healthier happier more active life and do better at the things that are important to you that's the big value that we can deliver to people but the communication of that is really the art so we've spoken about um, different questions and strategies that we can use to help them see the importance of that um, one other thing like a little communication pre-frame that I like to use um, particularly with people who have had, just had an experience that makes it seem that the problem is very small and easy to deal with. And the two scenarios are people who either have had pain come on very recently from a trivial insult. So they just bent forward that morning brushing their teeth and now their back's gone or they've woken up and they can't move their neck. And we understand from a physiological perspective that 
for that sort of stuff to happen, typically there's a buildup of subluxation that's below the surface and then there's this last straw that tips them over the edge. The other scenario that falls into this one are people who have been to see a lot of people and they typically go for a short period of time and then it's fixed, but they keep getting the same problem coming back again and again. And the challenge that we have from a communication perspective is their experience, which is the thing that's most impactful on our beliefs and therefore our behaviour is this is a little problem. Like it only came on. That can't be a big problem. If I, all I did was just slept awkwardly or this is a small problem because I've been to see the osteopath, the physio, and they crack me once and I'm good to go. Um, fix me. <laughs> they fix me. So their experience is coming in, this is a small problem. And then we say to them, all right, so the approach that we have is I'm going to ask you all these questions, we'll run all these tests, we'll get an x-ray, and then we're going to map out a program for care. They're going, hang on, hey, hang on a minute. And these are the people you get that pushback with, with, I don't see why I need x-rays. I don't see why I need all this care. I don't mm-hmm. see why I need yeah. all this testing. I used to go and see Bob and he'd just lie me d- down and crack me and I was fixed. Why can't you do that? So the part of that staying in agreement with is so chiropractors often the communication scripts that we were taught were these things of yeah this isn't about the pain this is about the subluxation that's causing the pain and we've got to focus on this and we're not about your pain which essentially is telling them they're wrong for their beliefs that they've just had an experience that validates so you're on a a a road to nowhere with that the communication that I strategy that I teach is one called two parts to the problem, which essentially agrees with them that there is a pain part of the problem, but it creates a separate truth that their experience will support. And I'll explain how that works in a minute, but it creates a framework for the reason for all those other things. So early on, if in my history taking, if you've told me that you've got one of those scenarios and you can use it more broadly if you want, I would say, so Craig, it's pretty clear from what you've told me that this came on when you just bent forward to brush your teeth, that there's two parts to the problem. First part is the pain part, the pain that's stopping you from being able to go to work and uh, causing you X, Y, Z, just giving a quick pricey of what they've told me. It's pretty clear to me though, that there's also a second part to the problem. And then a little pause there is useful because that then gets them thinking, what do you mean a second part? You've just told me everything I told you. So it's pretty clear that there needed to be an underlying imbalance or weakness there for this to happen. Because would it make sense if your spine was working the way that it should, if it was strong, that you should be able to bend forward and brush your teeth without causing this much damage? Does that make sense? So it's Mm -hmm. also going to be important if we want to minimise the chance of this happening again that we also do some testing and I can give you recommendations about what we'd need to do to deal with the underlying problem. And so that way, every time, it, first of all, it stops the objections, but it also, if somebody does say, I don't see why I needed x-rays when Bob didn't need them, I'd say, well, Bob was dealing with the pain part of the problem. If you want to deal with the underlying imbalance, that's what that information is useful for. Hmm. If they say, I don't see why I needed all this care when Bob could crack me once or twice and I was good. I can say, yeah, I understand that. What we're also doing on top of that is dealing with the underlying imbalance. And to deal with that, it's going to take more than just dealing with the pain part of the problem. Makes sense. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. And uh, you and I, <clears throat> I think 
think pretty similar at this stage is it Bob may, may have been doing a half-assed job yeah um, so uh, <clears throat> thanks Bob I, I probably I, I think um, if we're talking about uh, influence uh, literature and um, one thing is never ever ever to say Bob's a dickhead you yeah. know like don't don't ever say that oh that physio doesn't know whatever they're talking about or that surge it's like the, that's the world's worst thing yeah. to say um rather if just be clear about what you know and what you don't know so I, look people say well how come bob could crack me and i was fine um i'll say look i i really can't really speak for bob i'm not aware of what bob was trying to achieve in this case clearly um he was able to fulfill what you needed at that time all i know is that there's some some underlying things that i need to better understand about and so that's what we're going to do some tests for today is that okay to work that out and and just sort of go from there but yeah but bob's a bit of a pain in the ass if you ask me um and if i may i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna maybe step on a few toes here but my last name's foot so bad luck <clears throat> um <laughs> is is there is this tendency like when i when i i had a really lovely experience as an associate you know i i worked in here in, in perth with a guy called phil horner um who was a fantastic chiropractor and a son of a chiropractor and and his son's become a chiropractor so a big chiropractic family here in in perth and and he taught me this principle of you know um take no credit take no blame yeah and to the nth degree, I fully agree with that. I think as chiropractors, we're involved in the healing process. We remove that interference, but, you know, I don't fix anything. The only thing you fix is a cat, you know, like a, or a dog, you know, just yeah. stop them from having, having more puppies or kittens and stuff. So, so I don't think, uh, I think it's when people, when chiropractors say, oh, I can fix anything, it makes it about them. Yeah and not about the person. And that's the thing that really grates me um, because in one way they say, oh, I can fix anything. But when things fall short and when they fail, yeah. of course, if they fix it, then they're also at fault if it doesn't actually come together. And and that, that happens quite a lot. Yeah. So if you, as a chiropractor, saying the words, I can fix anything, please reconsider what you're saying yeah. uh, and what that means. Yeah. Um, but we were, we got, it, it didn't get off track. I think this, the stuff we're talking about is really quite important and quite good. Uh, we were talking about that further father principle. Oh, yeah. Yes. If just to go back. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. About an hour ago, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, um, we've done that. I did that preframe where I said, okay, well, if, if this is a chiropractic issue, we can help. And if it's not, we can't. Like that, that kind of thing. So one of the things to sort of, get that sort of almost that pre-framing and to a degree a little bit of opening up of the door because remember um people have come in with this very narrow-minded okay this is what craig and this is what martin's going to be able to help me with his low back pain but there is actually other stuff likely going on yeah. that ultimately will be affected by if should this person get under chiropractic care so so we sort of i sort of say to them look I've mentioned this thing called a subluxation and um, and and then I'll start sort of just a tiny little bit of education, but this is not the education part for me. I, I think education in that initial consultation yeah. is the worst idea ever. Like yeah. um, we'll talk about putting videos in front of them at another time. Um, but 
Um, but I say to them, hey, look, um, often what can happen, what we know about these subluxations, they can exist in the spine um, for a number of years, like a really long time before we feel it through obvious neck pain, back pain and headaches, which is the top, the big three, right? Yep. And often what they can be caused by is old accidents, falls and sporting injuries. So you, have you ever had any car accidents, falls, sporting injuries, been knocked out as a kid? Yeah go yeah and now we're sort of and they're, and they're going back and, and they're going oh well you know five years ago i tripped over and fell in the some stairs right we make a note of that um anything else anything else and we're just really seeking out how far back into the past did trauma occur just just even in that um a funny thing happens um and i'll, I'll this is a this is a little story for you and she still comes in is people forget their trauma. People yeah. forget. And so I had this lady come in <clears throat> and they said that and there was two sisters probably in their 40s came in and they were there doing a like a double consult. It was pretty, pretty interesting. And and I said, so have you ever had any traumas, injuries, falls, sporting injuries, knocked out as a kid where you could have injured your spine? They said, no, no, not real. No, no, not at all. I said, no, never. Not every, not, not one. Never had a fall out of a monkey, monkey bars, out of a tree, nothing like that. No, 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 no. And I said, if you don't mind, I might ask you a question um, to this one lady. I said, you've got a very large scar that runs up between your eyes, up around the top, and then comes back and meets at the very start. And I said, can I ask how you got that? And she said, oh, yeah, that's where I had my brain aneurysm where they removed a part of my skull to stop the bleeding and then they put the skull back and then it's all fused up and i said that's kind of important yes. that's kind of important and then the other one pipes up and says well i had an ingrown toenail I said look it's good to know but probably not on the same level as that so i would say to chiropractors always ask about scars so well, this happens a lot i mean you you'll have people come in they'll have scars on their head and you go like look i'm i'm just kind of like if you come to see me i'm going to ask you freaking questions on that first visit the more i know the better i can help you and i'll go um uh martin that that scar on your head there can i ask how you got that oh yeah when i was two i um uh i was in a car accident went through this windscreen right and like that that, that i've had yeah. that just to let you know um uh and 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 basically when when they have these scars on people's heads they at the time if you think about it, they're just focusing on stopping the bleeding, bleeding yeah. they're, but they're completely not thinking about the impact on the person's neck and yeah. the spine the spine at that stage so it's so important to ask about scars and but basically the further back into their past we can go and it, not to say it's absolutely causing what is bringing them in mm. today but just to keep the door open for the time being, just so that we can sort of, once we get the testing and if we're getting x-rays done, that kind of thing, we can at least know more and sort of work out a big what's, yeah. what's going on. Dave Fletcher, um, I've been using this for years. Dave Fletcher and I had the same coach. Uh, uh, so Dave, Dave talks, talks about from the further father principle. And I just love that. You know, the further off 
um, yeah. into the past we can go to sort of find out what can be contributing to what they're existing with, the farther off into the future this person's going to stick around. You know, if it, yeah. like you're saying, if they were brushing their teeth and had that low back pain this morning, they expect it to be gone in yeah. another day. Yeah. If, whereas if they can associate something that happened when they were 10, yeah. and they're in their 50s, then you know what? It's going to be completely unrealistic that it's going to be gone in a day. Yeah, yeah. Just helps frame those expectations, doesn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. So um, so that's kind of cool. Um, the other thing I would just suggest with the um, asking the questions is to give them multiple choice um, questions at this stage, like, 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 like actually list off the options here. So like I mentioned the lady with the aneurysm, um, which was quite funny, uh, but that's a significant uh, surgery that she's had and, and like massive deal. So, um, so when we're asking the question, okay, have you ever had any surgeries? Don't just say, have you ever had any surgeries? Just say, have you had any surgeries? Because they're going to be thinking back surgery as yeah. a chiropractor. Well, I've not had any back surgery, so what does it matter, right? Yeah. Yeah, but... Um, so we just got to go, okay, well, if you've had your tonsils out, wisdom teeth, appendix, C-sections, uh, whatever, yep. right? Because that also can play a role. Um, you know, we've all seen patients after any general anaesthetic having um, neck or spinal issues because, yep. you know, they're, they're laying on the table, they've got their head, you know, 90 degrees to one side with the oxygen going in and they wake up with a really bad neck. Yep. And we wonder what, what's, what the problem is, right? So... Um, so then for me, as we sort of, sort of almost like finishing up for me, that, that consult, there's a, there's a point, uh, where we're about to do the exam. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and look, I, when, when I'm doing it, Martin, I, I'm, I'm not actually writing anything down so far. I'm just creating that picture in my head, which I mentioned yeah. at the beginning. I, if I've got the information, I'll say, look, is it okay, Martin, if I write some of this down yeah. and you go, absolutely not i'm fully insulted not right no obviously wrong so you'll go yeah cool okay but then i'll start writing down all my notes and say okay you had this and it's affected this way and you've had this brain aneurysm and blah 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 and on all these medications and what you know whatever you need to do and then i'll put the pen down before i put the pen down is there anything else um, because that's always a good question to do and you'll see them pause and maybe share something else so we just do the thing again but before we get them on the table, that pre-frame that you yeah. talked about is so important. But yeah. no one, for me, I wish, so I, my coach never told me about what I'm going to tell the listeners right now. I, and I wish I'd known this from day dot because yeah. this is a game changer. There's two scenarios here. We're about to do some testing, you know, chiro, neuro, orthopedic testing. From a person's, from a lay person's point of view, it looks like, you're just seeing how strong they are and getting them to do some silly things, yeah. right? All for a sore lower back. Yeah. And they may or may not see the relevance to it. So that's the first scenario. And so in that case, if you do the exam, that opportunity that you said is completely lost. Yeah. Because they're saying, why is he just getting me to do silly things? I, yeah. I feel, I feel no silly. There's no context for it. Yeah, and the other yeah. thing too is if, if, if we see, and I'm doing in quotation marks, weakness, and we'll yeah. talk about that another day, weakness on one side, then they'll straight away go, oh, yeah, I just went for a run yeah. or I just went just to the gym. Run. 
a one-legged run. Yeah, yeah, clearly you just worked on one leg, right? Yeah. Um, and and so that's not a good position to be in. So that pre-framing, when I before I do the um, the testing part, because that's kind of like the phase two yeah. of that initial consult and examination, is I'll say, Martin, let me explain what we're looking for yeah. today, if that's yeah. okay. And I'll get my little bone models out, and and I'll say, look, you know, normally in the spine. The spine has, because it's movable, it should move quite easily and freely as you would expect. And yep. I'm nodding, they're nodding, because that's what works. If you nod, they nod. That's all yep. good in agreements. Um, and I say sometimes the spine can, things can happen to cause it to become out of place. So we call that a subluxation. And in that case, if we were to touch the spine, there wouldn't, there isn't actually any movement. So I would feel that there'd be no movement in the spine. But for you, Martin, that would feel very sensitive to touch, yep. very tender, almost like a bruise, yep. certainly more tender than anything else around there. That's the first thing. So what I've just said is when I touch your spine and you feel something really tender, I'm going to feel it's not moving, but you're going to feel there's a problem. Yep. And that could be a subluxation. So we're opening up that door once again. Yep. And if we look at the actual research literature coming out of NZCC, it said that actually uh, tenderness on a subluxation is actually something that's completely um, a reasonable thing to use yeah. as, a, as finding a subluxation. But then the next part, as I say to them, to try and get them to understand this concept of the, the myotomal testing and, and things, is that what you'll notice here is there's nerves that come out either side of the spine. So normally, as you would expect, those nerves would control things equally on both sides. Um, what we find with a subluxation, if it's stuck in this position, we often find that the nerves on one side are not able to control and coordinate things on that side anywhere near as much as the other. But it'd be pretty black and white whether that's there or not. Yeah. Right. And so that's pretty much the pre-frame and we go and do them, uh, yeah. well, don't do them. We do the, <laughs> do the assessment. Um, but then what happens when we do that, what, what I find is that they're on your team. Yeah. They're actually, they're very, they really go, they, it's not uncommon for them to go, yeah, there's one, yeah. right? And, and, and I'll go, that's cool. That's, yeah, so let's investigate that more. And then if, the, if we sort of see that one leg isn't, operating anywhere near as well as a loss of function compared to the other, then rather than them say, oh, I went, I did that hopping race, you know, that run, then they're going, well, maybe that I didn't realize that that was actually affecting me in that way. And, and then there's this sense of, wow, I don't know now as much as I thought I once did. And this yep. guy seems to pick that up and he kind of, in quotation marks, don't, you know, I'm doing this, no one can yep. see me, but quotation marks, he kind of knows what he's doing. Yeah, It's an experience, right? Yeah. So, and, and because of this unknown, because it's clear that I, we know a lot more than what we at first thought, and there's this element of surprise, whatever i say to them at the end of that assessment there's very few cases where they're opposed to doing things any further so, yeah, yeah yeah so i really I, I really can't remember the last time someone said no absolutely yeah. not um, you can stick getting further x-rays and things up your backside like i, I cannot actually remember that because yeah. of this pre-framing and yeah. setting it it's up sort of right so the consistency there. So yeah, we, yeah, I do almost the same pre-frame, 
And um, there's a couple of elements to it that I think are worthwhile um, sort of highlighting in terms of what you've mapped out there. First of all, it's give, they're having the experience and we're making it, giving them the meaning of the experience at the time that they're having the experience, which is the key to having it change their understanding. We spoke earlier about different levels of health awareness, that there are people at this symptomatic level of health awareness where it's all about pain. And kind of the most important transition to make early is for them to go to at least a um, functional or prevention level of health awareness. And the distinction between the two really is that at a functional level of health awareness, you recognise that you don't always have pain when you have a problem, that you can have an asymptomatic problem. And there's more to, you can't tell everything about a problem by how it feels. And what that testing is doing is essentially showing them that there's more to it than just the pain. And it's positioning you as the expert. So it works at multiple levels that you've demonstrated, wow, I had no idea, which is impressive. And you've also communicated there's more to this than just the, the pain that came on when you brushed your teeth. There's these other elements that are functional. Now, we can. I think next time we're going to talk more detail about the key elements of the exam. I think there's ways you can use pre-framing throughout that process. The key thing that I think you were saying there, though, is that if they recognise the problem, it's more important, it's more impactful than you telling them. So we'll often use that thing of, so what did you notice there when the, if you're doing say strength testing or you're doing range of motion or something where there's a, an aspect of them experiencing, oh, wow, what did you notice there? And so they're, have, they're articulating that impact as well. We, we often, if I may just throw a little bit more in there, often in, when they the very first thing we find that's maybe not the same as both sides. So we, we say a loss of function yeah. uh, rather than a weakness because, um, well, just generally speaking, a, a lay person, if you say, oh, that, that hamstring's yeah, weak. weak. Yeah, 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 yeah. That they'll that's go, well, the only, well, clearly I have to go to the gym and strengthen yeah. up my hamstring. That's, that's a great that distinction can... there. That's really good, yeah. Yeah, whereas a loss of function, they go, well, what, how the hell do I improve a loss of function? And I know it's a bit more of a mouthful, but it's actually more accurate, right? Yeah. Because when you're doing a myotonal testing, you're not testing the, the strength of a muscle. You're actually testing the ability of a nerve to control a sustained contraction of the muscle. You're, you're yeah. actually testing the control of it. Um, but that very first finding that you have where it's not the exact same either side, you know, we'll often, you know, I'll say like probably 30 times in that exam, let's compare it to the other side. Yeah. Right. Let's compare, let's compare. And then that very first one, I'll say, look, hey, um, 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 uh, what did I say? Basically, have you, noticed, have you noticed that before? Have you ever noticed the difference between this side and that side? Um, or if I really want to go to town, just to really just open up. Let's say in their history, they've had this amazing experience. We said Bob before, right? Yeah. We said Bob? Yep. Yep. Okay. So let's say Bob was like, he's up on the pedestal, yep. right? And no one can do things do like Bob, Bob did. Yeah. Yep. Right. Then this is a great opportunity to start just chocking out Bob's pedestal, like just taking it out. Okay. So when Bob did these tests before, did he find something similar? Yep. And oh, then they did yeah. any of that. Oh, oh, and then I just, I don't make any comment. I just go, oh, interesting. 
Okay, let's continue. <laughs> It's it's too good, too good. Oh, look, we've yeah, we've got X-rays on site, and you know, um, and uh, it's yeah, because because we've got X-rays on site, we can just sort of go. Ah, so when Bob did those X-rays, what did they find? Anything? And I go, Bob never did any X-rays. Ah, interesting. Let's go. Let's go. Too good. Thanks, Bob. So, Give me a lot of Yeah, thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. Yes. Hey, so listen, um, we've done gone into depth with that, uh, the, the history part. And so next time we're going to be diving yeah. deep into the examination and how to really uh, get the maximum impact from the um, patient or client's experience in that and communication and those sort of things. If people were wanting to take it further and ramp up their skills we've given them a bunch of things that they can work on but if they were looking for that sort of whole coordinated approach what would be through your coaching how would you if they wanted more information or some help in really getting the more of the gold that you've shared with us where would they go what um, program or the approach that you'd take cool so we have, we have a few different options with chiropractic flight school which is our coaching program and so the um, link the link will be in the show notes cool thank yeah. you um and so uh, firstly there's some online training that we do so we have um uh webinars that i did over a course of a few weeks uh, some years ago where i sort of go through and actually show and teach and break down all the different components of our uh, consultation examination and things uh, we call that flying lessons just in keeping with the yep. uh, flight school mentality um, so that is available online uh, and otherwise um, uh, if, if people want to talk to me contact me at um, uh, the link for chiropractic flight school and then of course there's a one-on-one -on -one coaching that we do as well so yeah yeah, yeah and so that's pretty much that what about yourself Martin yeah so I have the a program an online program uh, called the retention recipe which is essentially how do you set things up over the first 12 visits so a lot of the things we've spoken about on the first visit then how do they align with um, the second visit in terms of recommendations and then communication over that first 12 visits and that first reassessment how you can set things up there to both meet their needs that they came in with and set a structure of communication to help them experience and understand the value of first of all going beyond symptoms to sort of a prevention or a functional level and then ultimately see move towards that understanding that would align with more of a uh, performance or wellness lifestyle sort of level of care so um, it's at insideoutpractices.com. The link will be in the, the show notes as well. But the particular program is the retention recipe, all about getting the start of, starting off things right. So um, there we have it. Excellent. Great having a chat to you, mate. Looking forward to doing the same thing as we dive deep into the examination process because there's a lot of nuance to that that I think it's easy to to get wrong so yeah great work absolutely thanks mate that's always a great to catch up with you thanks for listening to the under the influence podcast make sure to subscribe so that you can catch all future episodes of the under the influence podcast if you enjoyed today's show then you will love the online program 
the retention recipe. It's all about communication strategies that you can employ in somebody's first 12 visits that help transition them from a pain level of health belief to a prevention level of health belief and open up the opportunities for them to see chiropractic as part of a performance or wellness lifestyle. Check it out at insideoutpractices.com.